Welcome to another episode of the Maritime Health and Performance Chat. Today we have the man with the silver tongue, the gift of the gab, Dave Gillis. <laughs> now, far be it from me to uh, bore you with all Dave's stats because, well, as I just told you, he can, he can probably do it a lot better than I can. So, uh, Dave, the floor is yours. Yeah, it's going to be hard to uh, follow up after that introduction, but thanks, Matt. Uh, good to be here. Good to talk to you again. Um, I guess I'll talk about my current role. I'm a grade one, two teacher up in Pelly Crossing, Yukon. And how I got here, it's, I guess, my academic career, I'd say, started after my athletic career. I saw university as an avenue to continue with wrestling, a sport that I started in high school and really enjoyed and didn't want to give it up after grade 12. So, I'd say around grade 11, I started to take my studies a little more seriously as a student athlete. And then um, once I got to university at the University of New Brunswick and the Black Bear Wrestling Club, I think we had a lot of focus on the student part of the student athlete, which helped me transition. I mean, even looking at some of the alumni, there's teachers, uh, med school, masters, and that's just a handful of people. There's a long list that I'm forgetting, nurses, engineers. A short time there, my four years, I think each year we had about four to five academic all Canadians every year. So not only just mm -hmm. people getting the results at nationals and youth sport, but also in the classroom. Yeah, never was quite academic all Canadian, but it seemed that we just, it was a healthy thing to do, right? Study, yep. keep you out of trouble. So towards the end of my university, I decided that thought teaching was a good avenue for me. So I enrolled at the uh, St. of X University with a focus on physical education. Uh, it was a great program. I had some excellent professors there. And currently I'm not in a physical education role. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting into that. It's only my second year full-time teaching. So just really trying to get my foot in the door in the career. And I know, um, well, you speaking about how you're just trying to get your foot in the door of the career, I think, uh, I think you've done it in a pretty big way. I'm very happy with where I'm at right now in uh, Pelly Crossing. It's the school, it's about 65, 68 students enrolled. The number changes a bit. People move or people come into town on Selkirk First Nation, traditional territory. So living and working in a community north of 60, three hours to go get my groceries. It's just been unreal. And I see a lot of potential for after school programs. And with the COVID restrictions, I haven't been able to start a wrestling program from the ground up. I'd like to start with very young age and, you know, develop all those healthy habits that I think as an athlete that I almost took for granted, right? Like just understanding nutrition, looking at the food within the community, like what's available, you know, are, are people going to be able to eat healthy meals after practice? Little things like that, that, you know, I haven't really had to experience, but now that I'm actually thinking about doing it, it's interesting. So it's interesting that you mentioned um, sports is almost a means to an end, right? Like you went to university to further your wrestling career. And in the sport of wrestling, that's kind of almost an unwritten requirement because to get that financial support that athletes need, that programs need to build, um, generally you kind of need to be affiliated with the university program. And I mean, you're definitely not alone in that because I know other teammates of ours otherwise probably wouldn't have gone to university and have moved on to have pretty amazing opportunities in their life. But, you know, sports was that means to an end. Like they went to school not to get a degree, but that was just kind of a bonus that allowed them to compete in their sport at a very high level for however many years. Yeah, I think like towards my third year of university, things started to change for me a bit. Maybe it's because we had a 
fucking Iliad. Sorry, my curse word. Maybe we <laughs> had. Curse. Uh, it's okay. It's because we had Iliabla Ablev in the room. I think just the the academic determination that that man has—I've never seen it before. And well, I think I think all of us benefited in some way from having Elia around, as far as you know, academics, let alone everything else. Oh, but, uh, yeah, I, I could so, sit here and talk for hours about <laughs> training with the guy. Oh God, He'd yeah, keep, like studying beside him, you know. And should be mentioned that Ilya, a five-time CIS slash U-Sport champion, a senior national medalist who is all in his third year, I believe, at UMB St. John in the Dow Med program. So, I mean, this was, a, especially in the, as far as the classroom goes, this was a great guy to have with us. He, uh, he was always willing to share as far as his notes go. Uh, he, he was always uh, kind of doing out-of-the-box stuff, like trying to come up with these memory strategies and studying strategies. <laughs> But you know what? It seemed kind of funny at the time, but it worked. Like the guy had a perfect GPA in his kin undergrad. And I mean, like I said, we all benefited from it because a lot of us did have classes together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. More of a, a social group with the studying. But yeah, I, I'd like to think that sports has also you know, taught me about taking care of all the little things that help you perform with the big stuff, right? Yeah, and that's what it is. It's kind of managing all those little factors and just being consistent with them. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why I think maybe I have this goal or vision, you know, to get into teaching as a way to help me with coaching and programming and just, you know, the giving back nature of it because of how much I think like my life is happy because of my involvement with sport. I, I completely uh, agree and would love to echo that sentiment and especially coming from wrestling and, and I'm lucky because similar in judo and I know you have some uh, grappling experience as well, but a lot of these sports aren't huge fanfare sports, right? Like they're not, we're not generating crazy money for admission and, and tournament registration. It's usually pretty bare bones, break even sort of deal and sometimes even go in the hole a bit. So that giving back aspect was something that coaches and friends and older teammates of ours really helped instill uh, into the rest of us. So just kind of a mentality and a culture that just stuck around and trickled down right from the top people on the team, right to the first year freshmen that were, you know, in the middle of making that transition, seeing if it was for them, that level of competition. Yeah. And I think CJ and Tom are great examples of that. They're never like questioning or complaining about, you know, they're running mats all over Atlantic Canada. They're setting up this over there and that over there. Not because it's easy for them. It's because you could reach more kids if, you know, you have the camp over here in Anaganish, Nova Scotia, and then you have it New Brunswick the next year. Just things like that, that they don't have to do, but they just understand that that's going to make the most impact. Yeah, and I mean, they really live this sentiment, but it's so important in any sport, really, and not even just in sports, but in anything, in your family life, in your social life with your friends, right, in something you have a passion or a, or a hobby, right, it's, it's less, what can this do for me, but rather, it's what can I do for this, so in our case, we, you know, not what can wrestling do for me, but what can I do for wrestling to kind of build it and like you said give back because i mean both of us have got the travel not just in canada but outside and have some amazing experiences we met some of our lifelong friends you and i got to live together for a year it's not only the medals and the competitions and the matches uh, you win and lose that you remember but it's kind of these these life experiences and this character building and i mean it's it's not just you know i attribute my athletic background really as far as building my character and my personality and the person i am today yeah that's it 
a wise man plants a tree when he's old. He knows he'll never be able to see it. <laughs> so uh, moving on here, you grew up in Clydesdale, Nova Scotia, just outside of Antigonish, right? Right in the St. Effects University town. Yep, proudly. Naturally. So you went from a small town. You definitely didn't go up in population where you are now. Do you want to talk about some of the differences of growing up in Clydesdale, Nova Scotia versus where you are now in the Yukon? Yeah, Pelly Crossing. Pelly Crossing. Um, definitely. Clydesdale's out of Anakinish, which is the town. And I always thought, you know, a kind of rural area, more rural. And I've always had an interest in the outdoors, you know, the woods, uh, growing up watching Survivor Man. And then to come here and it's just so ingrained in the culture, in the lifestyle. You know, back home, it could have been seen as eccentric or there's a group of people who have this outdoor passion. But here it's just simple as if you're into baking like back home or it's everybody knows how to do it. So I got to go out on a moose hunt with a couple of the members of Selkirk First Nation, help pack out, just even listening. Like there's just so much to learn and watch that, you know, I think a lot of Southerners come up to these First Nations communities and they're talking too much about their ideas or where they're from. In reality, like you should just do a lot of listening up here. Yeah, I mean, it's probably an experience that you truly can't get anywhere else. So, you know, if you're too busy talking about everything that you know and whatnot, like you're going to you're going to miss things. The really cool experiences and things that you can learn from the people that you go out hunting who have these experiences and it's ingrained in their culture, right? You're going to... You may miss that. You may never get a chance to do that again, right? So it's pretty cool that you're just happy to go up and integrate and just listen and be a part of everything and just learn. Yeah, and last year it was different before the uh, restrictions on stuff. We had a lot more elders in the school and a lot more like culture camps, which was awesome. And, you know, people are nervous up here as they should be. And so the precautions are kind of, I'm hoping that moving forward we'll be able to start doing some more stuff like that and fish camp and hunting camp. And it's a very... It's just the community's done such a great job of preserving and promoting the uh, Selkirk First Nation culture. That's fantastic to hear. I mean, for me, uh, hunting something I want to take up in the next few years almost as a nothing else. The meat you get from moose and deer is so lean. Like when I'm trying to get a good diet in, like it's pretty awesome to pull out a moose steak, eat eight ounces of it, and hardly have a gram of fat to it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and it's the biggest species of moose in the world up here, the Alaskan moose, a uh, member of the deer family. Must be something else. There's something to be said, too, about being able to go out and, and get your own meal. And, you know, I can speak to that a bit just because uh, I took up striper fishing this summer and was able to oh. catch uh, a couple keepers, uh, my biggest being just over 40 inches. And my goodness, the thrill of bringing one in and catching it and then taking it home cleaning it up, getting the skin off, getting the two nice big fillet and cooking and eating it. There's just such a satisfaction to that. Yeah. And I got to go striper fishing this summer. As soon as you're back. I mean, Antigonish, they do it right off the top there. No. Yeah. There's definitely some people who are way more into fishing up here than me, but I'm <laughs> just like guys from Ontario that are teachers up here. Grew up on the lakes fishing. So to go out there with them, yeah, it's even it's like wrestling or strength and conditioning or jujitsu or judo. You just, you meet somebody who knows so much more than you. It's a treat to be it able really to. It really is. Speaking to that, um, about kind of meeting someone that's much more experienced, you and I have been very lucky in the sport of wrestling and judo that, you know, you don't see this too much in sports like hockey and football and stuff. Like the guys at the top of the, the NFL or the NHL come to do clinics yearly or even a couple, couple clinics in a year. But 
for us, we're lucky. We have Canadian Olympians who we have met and might even know us by name and have ran clinics for us and we've got to learn from on so many different occasions with just these amazing world-class athletes. So, I mean, it's pretty cool when you get the chance to kind of just immerse yourself and become a sponge in the presence of someone who has so much more experience in something you're interested in. Yeah, and that was that started happening in what high school, like through the oh, wrestling world, and even junior high uh, for me. Yeah, yeah, you get to you know meet these guys or girls that are just phenomenal athletes, and you know you get to spend three practices a day with them for x amount of days it's not like they're signing autographs no they're showing you the cool moves or just talking listening to them talk and yeah the things that help them succeed in their career yeah exactly there's so much to be learned from them and i mean what's funny too because these these uh, athletes don't come down just to coach either like once the live goes and scrapping starts they're right in the middle of it too Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten my share beatings from world-class people. <laughs> More than a few lumps from national and world medalists. I know you and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, but I'd love to hear you elaborate more on you as a science teacher and how you're applying your kin background and kind of influences uh, as an athlete and a very you know healthy person and how you apply that to your teaching style and maybe even some activities you do with your students. Oh, yeah, that would be great because... Uh... You know, I, I took this job because basically it's at the start, it was just, I realized that I'm not going to land my dream phys ed job right out of the gate, right? There's lots of people with lots of experience competing for those jobs. So I just, I've always enjoyed the idea of going up north, northern Canada. I know north's a big place. So Yukon, I, my grandfather spent a summer here. I had a great uncle who lived here for a while. So you know, as a kid growing up, it was always in the back of my mind. And the opportunity presented itself in the form of a grade one, two classroom teacher job. And I went to education for high school, phys ed, science and social studies. But, you know, through my time coaching youth and working at the Boys and Girls Club, I'm comfortable with that age group of six-year-olds and seven-year-olds. So I took the job. Thankfully, they gave me the opportunity for the job. And at the start, it was kind of, I don't want to say I was in over my head but dealing with all the needs and I guess inexperience of this age group, right? Things that I didn't think about, like teaching kids how to hold a pencil, how to sit, how to, you know, getting along with each other. But this year, or even later last year, now that I'm more comfortable with it, I started integrating a lot of healthy eating, discussion, exercise. We do a morning workout where it's just some body weight stuff, squats, push-ups, like developing their core and then talking about muscles and goal setting and really all those things that I've learned from, you know, my kin background, my education background, but also my athletic background, coaching as well, just building the confidence, uh, making them want to exercise, not forcing exercise on them, making them realize that, okay, this is something I can do that is going to make me feel good about myself and get excited because it's a nice, welcoming, very encouraging environment. You know, if you can only do a push-up from your knees, great, you're trying, that's awesome. I said it with high school kids, I don't really say it with the elementary. So you only suck if you don't try. All anyone can ask of you is you, you try your best. Yeah, and you know, there's a whole different um, types of body in my class, right? So what one student can do and makes them feel good about themselves, maybe not every other student can do. So you have to find avenues that give these children that like positive feedback 
from exercise and healthy eating, that encouragement, because once it's ingrained in them that this is fun, this is healthy, it's going to only hopefully grow exponentially as they get older. I love that you're trying to instill that love of physical activity in them because you see a lot in sports because there's kind of that trickle down coaching when coaches stop trying to continue to learn. They just coach a certain way because they were coached that way. It's slowly being phased out, but you see uh, using exercise as a punishment when athletes act up, especially in younger athletes. And I think that's such an archaic caveman point of view because either one, you've got a superstar athletic kid who's just going to say, I don't care. I'll go do my 20 push-ups, come back and join and do as I please because that's easy for me. Or you've got the kid who maybe can't even do two push-ups. You go, I'll go do 10 push-ups right? They're, they're in the corner. They may be embarrassed, self-conscious, and that's yeah. going to scare them. That's what they're going to remember. Such a barrier to physical education. Exactly. And I mean, especially in our sedentary world, for most professions, let alone for kids who are in school for six plus hours out of the day, having that little bit of physical activity really makes a difference. Yeah. And talking about it, reflecting too, that's a big part. I think that sometimes gets overlooked in physical education. You know, I think physical educators are doing a great job of this is talking about why we're doing this and how it could be done differently and that problem solving skill. Like if you can see those patterns that are generated and you can solve those problems, it's, you can really apply that to not just the, the little workouts that you're taking them through, but any sport that they go on and you're just being physically active, right? It's amazing how many times you stand up and sit down out of a chair, which is, you know, a squat movement, right? You don't realize that. Like if, if you don't take care of yourself and have that kind of lifelong desire to be physically active, when you're 65, 70, you're going to have the body of an 80, 90 year old because you sat so long, your muscles were in disuse. Yeah. And I think, People want to be physically active and they want to be healthy. But if you have negative experience with exercise, be it like a bad coach or even a gym teacher instead of a physical education teacher, you can get burnt out. You have these negative memories from physical activity. And then you just don't have the knowledge of what healthy eating looks like, what movement looks like and is proper. If I do gymnastics as a kid, then growing up I have all these other options of sports and I already know how to control my body that's a fantastic point about knowing how to move knowing how to control your muscles knowing how to control your body what people don't realize is that a lot of pain like a lot of chronic pain is due to your muscles being stretched out or, or compressed taken out of their natural anatomic position and be overused in an improper way. And that causes all that pain signaling through your neurons. And what people don't realize is just a little bit of strength training or going for a walk, increasing that work capacity, just even just a, a little bit, even just like a half a percent is going to improve their quality of life exponentially. And it's, uh, I like that you're saying, you know, it's about finding what people like and how you're saying that what makes one kid feel good is different than uh, what makes another kid feel good. Because one of the big drivers of participation in physical activity is self-efficacy. So that you perceive that you're good at it. Yeah. And I had a great physical education professor at St. of X. Uh, I've had multiple. But just the idea that you can modify so many things that encourages that participation. Because picture me, I'm a 14-year-old just had a growth spurt, super awkward in my body, super uncomfortable. Like 
don't really know what confidence is yet. And then I have to go to this phys ed class at school and I'm shy and it's a loud place. It's overwhelming. I'm going to start having a negative experience with physical education. I'm not going to learn as much as I can about healthy eating. And then it just kind of, I grow up and it's just not a, it's not a part of my lifestyle. You know, it's easy to go sit in your car, get something to eat, go to work, sit down, go home, sit down, watch Netflix. And I mean, just from a learning perspective alone, firstly, there's so much research out there that shows how physical activity after learning something can help actually encode those memories better to get those memories of those new things learned in long-term memory. And there's also a lot of studies that, you know, waking up, being present through physical activity, like you said, you take your kids through the workout first thing in the morning that essentially turns their brain on, right? It primes them to learn new things. The, the neural activity in their brain shoots up in response to physical activity and it really helps make them ready. So not only are you just doing something because it's healthy, but there's actually quite a scientific basis behind what you're doing as well. What's that saying? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of care. Oh, geez. Hopefully people rewind and listen to that one again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's excellent. And I mean, I think this is a sign of a good teacher, a good coach, a good leader um, in any sort of physical activity setting is like you said, if you've got a kid who's just had a growth spurt, doesn't have that motor control, hasn't built those patterns yet. And you have your kids do a beep test or something like that. The last thing you're going to do is single out that kid and say, ah, he's running funny, right? You're going to make patience for that kid so that they can target their weaknesses while also kind of potentiate those strengths. So they can, again, goes back to that enjoyment and that self-efficacy so they can enjoy physical activity and then eventually build those movement patterns and build that strength up to the point that they can do the original activity that was intended. Yeah. And a great way that I learned through, uh, one of my professors was if you're ever doing an activity where there's groups, right? You know, maybe let's just say it's gymnastics and they're lining up on the mat. I like to run some gymnastics programs uh, in my phys ed and you let the students divide themselves up by saying, okay, who's feeling really good, had a good breakfast, good night's sleep, like feeling like, yeah, I can do it. Line up here. Next group. Okay. Maybe you're like, all right, I'm, I'm here. I'm a little into it. You know, line up here. Next group, oh, like you had a bad sleep or, you know, your foot's hurt or something. Like you're just not feeling too good about it. Come line up here. And then that way they're in a group of people that they feel are more their skill level. It can be disheartening to feel like you're bad at something. Nobody wants to feel bad at something, right? That makes you feel bad about yourself. So if you can take all these little barriers away, then it's going to make participation more enjoyable. And then people are going to live healthy lives. And like you said, they're going to not be living in chronic pain or just that little improvement of life can go such a long way. It really can. It can kind of kickstart an entire behavior change, just feeling good about one thing. And it's kind of uh, a buddy of mine was talking about this the other day about making your bed, right? It's kind of that one little wind, a snowball through the day, right? If you can keep that and snowball and, and keep building positive things happening to you through the day, if you can be that stop on that, you know, that little spot on the hill as a snowball rolls down to a kid feeling worn down and whatnot, and feels like they're just kind of dragging their feet today. And the positive of being kind of put in kind of a, a modified program to sort of accommodate for that, as opposed to a one size fits all approach that might be great for the more athletic or developed kids in your class. But then, you know, these kids that didn't have a good sleep, maybe just have, have some social or, or some issues at home and stuff. 
snowball in the opposite direction, right? You're just going to snowball the negative if you bring them in and say, hey, you have to do the exact same thing as this person who's also enrolled in a couple sports and also had a, had a bit of a growth spurt before you. Exactly. And I think from a teaching perspective and working with other teachers and different grade levels, I think that physical educators and strength coaches and just coaches in general are the best at assessment. They're so good at formatively assessing athletes, students, what have you, and making those quick little modifiers. Even it could be a conversation. It could be switching up a partner, a different group, a different movement. That's, I think, what this kinesiology background group is excellent at is assessment. Exactly. It's about kind of being uh, familiar with your craft and, and being knowledgeable and flexible enough to make accommodations for those who might not necessarily fit that exact sort of cookie cutter form that you might expect. Definitely helps. I guess just to wrap things up, I mean, what, what do you think if you could pick out one thing that you're doing right now that makes you stand out and kind of move and get ahead in your field? I mean, I'm a humble person, so I'd like <laughs> just that integration of physical activity and just a healthy lifestyle into my class. Just promote the healthy snacks and teaching them all those little things that are going to help transition. I'm not a, in a physical education role right now. Um, in the future, I will be looking to move into that. Obviously, it's what I'm passionate about. But just how you can integrate it into the classroom. You know, the whole idea of sit all day. Okay, it is exercise time for 30 minutes. You exercise now and that's it. And then you go back to the class. But I think what I'm trying to do is there's always a time for movement. Uh, that's, and that's such a good sentiment because, I mean, where you are, and, and you're not wrong in saying that you're a humble guy because, I mean, uh, you might not even realize the, the impact you're having on these kids and even the community because, I mean, if you teach these kids – the benefit of a good snack or, or, or movement, they go home and, and these kids kind of keep that. So, you know, they go home and see their older brother or sister eating some junk food. They say, Hey, you know, my, my teacher was telling me about the benefits of say eating a piece of fruit instead of that bag of gummies kind of thing and, and how it's going to affect your body, right? You're affecting positive change, not with just the behaviors of your students, but potentially the behaviors all through your community. Yeah. And that's a great part of this job, you know, teaching is you get to do all that things, but I mean, there's also a big onus on myself, too, to make sure I'm doing the right things, make sure I'm coming to work healthy and like, I got to sleep, I got to eat. <laughs> they are, they're a very busy group. So I got to make sure that I'm taking care of myself so then I can do my job effectively and make that positive change. Yeah, you got to practice what you preach. Uh, I guess our last question for the day, a uh, pretty topical one, but uh, how has COVID affected you and your work and what sort of considerations and, and uh, modifications have you had to make to continue providing a, a service to your students? Um, thankfully, well, last year we shut down um, when it first broke. So it was distance learning, which, you know, not all the children in my um, community have access to the internet. So that was kind of rough uh, with the pen and paper stuff. And some of these kids have difficulty reading. So it's not like I could ask them to send me a letter of their progress. So those challenges. Thankfully, this year, we've been able to have face-to-face -face classes. I think we were one of the first schools in Canada to have face-to-face -face classes because we started earlier than the Yukon. So there's a lot of, you know, different precautions we have to take, masks, sanitizer, all those things that, you know, are effective and paying off. But I'd say the biggest burn to my personal life has been combat sports and wrestling, at least at the school level in the Yukon, are just outright not allowed contact so um, yeah. thankfully with some 
support from the Selkirk First Nation office. We were able to get some gymnastics equipment and through another friend, um, I was able to get some wrestling mats up here. So moving forward next week, um, instead of wrestling, I'm going to just take these kindergarten to grade two aged students and we're going to do a gymnastics program because I think gymnastics is a great way for students to learn how to control their bodies. And I mean, you look at some of these kids, I think my youngest there might be four or five, you know, learned how to walk three and a half, four years ago, right? This is very new, this whole body thing and movement. So just teaching that, I think we'll, I'm excited about that. Uh, it's fantastic to hear, Dave, that you're setting these kids up for a, for a life of physical activity. I mean, that's a life with a high quality of life, and you're going to open up so many experiences for these kids. Uh, just oh, as we're great. wrapping up here, Dave, is there anything you'd like to uh, highlight, any programs or projects or, or, or any social media or anything like that? No, I'm pretty, I mean, right now my target audience is six-year-olds, so they're not <laughs> on social media. So I don't know, I'm just going to... If anybody has any resources on youth coaching, gymnastics, uh, it'd be great to connect with somebody about that and just discuss. Like I said earlier, I'm always interested in learning from people who know more than me, even if it could be something as simple as uh, knitting, not to discredit any knitters, but you know, just if you're good at something, I want to talk about it. How can they, uh, and, and if there's anyone listening that can uh, give Dave a hand, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, my Instagram, uh, David Gillis 25. Wicked. Well, Dave, thanks so much for volunteering your time. You're doing a great service in, in molding the, uh, the future generations of our, of our population. Thank you very much, Matt. And uh, thank you for having me. All right, Giller. Till next time. All right, buddy.